0: we <laughs>
1: each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at at iir.comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsports, one word, .com. As always... I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is, of course, March Madness, and specifically Michigan springboarding from its plane crash to take the tournament by storm. This following them winning the Big Ten championship in the wake of the their plane skidding off the runway as they were headed to the Big Ten championship. It's amazing to see, and they just simply look unbeatable. Yesterday they knocked off Louisville. Uh not an easy thing to do. And uh they're just simply on an epic roll and I think they've captured the nation's attention. Uh And are easily the darlings of the tournament. And, uh, you know, it's just a great, great story to see. Uh, Every year it's something in the NCAA tournament. And this year it's clearly Michigan. The plane incident was very scary, as the coach articulated over the weekend. Uh, It wasn't just some uh, minor skid off the runway, shall we say. It was... uh, Scary, very scary. And uh, so it's going to be fun to watch Michigan to see how they, uh, you know, how they do going forward. Uh, They play Oregon on Thursday at seven o'clock Eastern time this Thursday. And uh, so we'll see what the next chapter holds for the Wolverines. Well, my bizarre story of the week, sticking with the NCAAs, was the disintegration of the East bracket, with number one overall seed Villanova going down to Wisconsin, and number two seed Duke losing last night to South Carolina. Uh, the Villanova-Wisconsin game was great. I think Wisconsin outscored them like 15-5 to 5 over the last few minutes. And the highlight of the game had to be the spectacular uh, spin move underneath by Nigel Hayes to basically win the game, the winning basket. And uh, Bronson Koenig raining down threes for Wisconsin was also, uh, you know, special stuff, to say the least. He is absolutely deadly. And uh, so it was just. Great game to watch. Uh, Villanova seemed to be in control with uh, three, four, five minutes to go. Uh, But they kept, you know, going to the basket, which is a good thing. But the problem was they kept getting tangled up uh, down under. And it was not leading to good things. And Wisconsin, uh, clearly the last team anybody wants to play, uh, you know, was just looking Fabulous! Wisconsin was an eight seed. Villanova, of course, was the number one overall seed of the entire tournament. The defending national champions, and uh, there was a lot to like uh, with them, to say the least. Uh, had a great, great year, and truly seemed as poised as any team to uh, to defend that national championship, and. Uh, with the likes of Josh Hart and Chris Jenkins. He of the uh, game-winning shot at the buzzer to win the national championship last year. Uh, veteran leadership, they just seem to be the total package. And uh, obviously know how to win. Jay Wright's a great coach. And it really looked like, uh, you know, they had as good a shot as anyone in recent memory. But Wisconsin, again, certainly put that to bed. Last night, speaking of being put to bed, Duke, the Blue Devils, was put to bed by South Carolina. Uh, It was great theater, watching that game. Uh, You know, anytime the Dukies are playing, uh, you want to tune in, love them or hate them. And it seems like everybody's one or the other. There's not much in between when it comes to Duke. They're one of those teams, like the Yankees, like the Patriots, uh, Alabama football, uh but you tune in. Uh so hard to believe that uh for South Carolina with their rich basketball history, I can remember players going back a ways named like John Roach, Tom McMillan, uh great players through the years, Alex English. Uh but it's their first ever Sweet Sixteen that absolutely stunned me, given their history. Uh Coach Frank Martin, uh, clearly (laughs) an interesting-looking guy. Uh, The last coach you'd ever want to mess with, I'd say. Uh, I guess he used to be a bouncer in a bar, and I can certainly see that because he is one intimidating guy. But uh, by all accounts, the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet and uh, certainly has never been happier than last night. His emotion was terrific. Uh, He, of course put Kansas State on the map in basketball. He's now brought back the South Carolina program Uh, and just a fascinating game for Duke. You know, it's just been an uneven year for them, but they got uh, sizzling hot in the ACC tournament and I felt, uh, you know, they might go. I thought they had a distinct shot of uh winning the national championship because they were like the hot team and they have the pedigree and had that uh championship look looked like the guys who were hurt the freshmen uh from jason tatum to harry giles were uh healthy and uh getting a lot of playing time and were really gonna round into form for the tournament but it never happened uh they just had an uneven year and Given the year they had, you can't look at last night's game and be too shocked that uh, you know that they lost in round in game two in uh, in the opening weekend. So, but hats off to South Carolina. It's going to be fun to watch them play uh, going forward. They really uh, were impressive last night, and uh, they're going to play Baylor. Uh, this Friday night, so uh, should be another good game as well. Other notes from the weekend: Good to see Butler back in the Sweet 16. Of course, we up here in Boston tend to uh, watch Butler pretty closely since Brad Stevens, who formerly took him to two Final Fours in a row, now coaches the Celtics. But uh, the program is back, and they're in the Sweet 16, and. I think everybody loves seeing mid-majors, what have you, or at schools the size of Butler. Uh, you know, uh, doing well. I think that's really the essence of the NCAA tournament. Uh, West Virginia uh, did a nice, had a nice weekend. Did a number on Notre Dame on Saturday. Basically controlled the entire game, and uh, they look great. So. They're going to be fun to watch as well. I used to cover the Mountaineers back in the day, so I always watch them closely, and they're going to play number one seed, Gonzaga. Mountaineers are the number four seed out west, so that should be fun. And uh, Arizona, uh, playing for a chance to be in the final four down in Arizona What a home Court advantage, that would be if that comes to pass, and it uh, very well may. And lastly, uh, Kentucky. Uh, two defensive plays at the end of the game to, uh, to win their game, which was really special to watch. And uh, so, yeah, watch out for Kentucky. You never could ignore them, that's for sure. Finally, my low light of the week was Northwestern. derailed by a bad call it was just a black and white call Uh, they got it wrong Uh, there was the the guy went up and blocked a shot uh, with his hand inside the rim that's no judgment call that is just uh, again uh, a violation period and uh, Northwestern had come back nicely Uh, was on a roll and really looked like they had a chance to win that game Everybody, I think, was into Northwestern for the first time ever in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, you know, just sad to see their season end like that. And also, sat up here in New England. Rhode Island uh, was looking pretty good, and everybody in New England was uh, into what they were doing. But uh, couldn't get over the hump, played a great game, but uh, couldn't close it out. So overall, uh, you know, it was really a distinct lack of buzzer beaters over the four days. There was really no memorable upsets of a low seed beating a high seed. Um, So it was, uh, you know, good for the brackets in general. Uh, Speaking for myself, I did very well, except for the East, where I had Villanova and Duke squaring off. But uh, that aside... um, You know, it was some good basketball, but again, no memorable upsets and not a lot of buzzer beaters. What we had was things like Kentucky blocking the last two shots to win their game. So uh, finally, as we close out for our next segment, a shout out to the Arnold Palmer tournament and the great ending yesterday in memory of the King. Uh, Would have made him proud, very competitive, fun to watch back and forth. Couple big names in the hunt, including Rory McIlroy, who couldn't close it out. And uh, lastly, uh, a see where Tiger Woods has a book out about the 1997 Masters, and so he was making the rounds this morning, uh, Good Morning America and the like. So, uh, good to see Tiger anytime. We'll see if he can make it to the Masters or not. Still, uh, still too early to say according to him, so we'll see what the next few weeks brings. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Bama Magazine, so don't go anywhere.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And, A.P., how are you doing today?
4: Oh, I'm doing great, John. I'm doing great. Glad to be here.
1: Well, we appreciate you uh, joining us, as always. And uh, great four days of... NCAA tournament basketball, uh, as I said at the end of the segment, uh, unlike every previous year, so it seems, you know, no real buzzer beaters or low seeds beating high seeds. Uh, but that's not to say it wasn't great. And frankly, a team that you know well, I thought was one of the better endings, unusually, was Kentucky. Beating Wichita State with two block shots in the last minute or so to hold on to their slim lead and, and pull it out. Uh, I thought it was great theater. It's just not something you typically see.
4: No, John. I mean, usually Kentucky, they're they're usually blowing someone out at that level. You know, in, you know that second game, but you know, Wichita State gave them all they wanted, and and they Kentucky came up with two defensive plays at the end to seal the victory, and it was really exciting. I know all the people in the SEC, they're thrilled to death that all these teams have made it to the Sweet 16.
1: I'm sure. So how how many have made it from the SEC?
4: Well, you have Florida and you have South Carolina, except that they're in the same bracket going to New York City and then, of course, Kentucky and Arkansas. I mean, they were so close against North Carolina. They had that six-point lead, I think it was, and they didn't score for the next three and a half minutes. And it's just difficult to win against a team like North Carolina and to not score at the end for three and a half minutes.
1: Well, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, good to see. I mean, Arkansas was as crushed as any team I've seen at the, uh, you know, uh, you know. The moment their loss became final because, boy, there were moments really late in that game where it looked like they were going to take them. They just really, uh, they had that look of being the ones that were going to pull the big upset. But it just didn't happen. But they they played a, a heck of a game. And I know with about two, three minutes to, le- to go, I said, uh, you know, Arkansas is going to win this game, I think.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I, I was watching that at the end, and I said, "Gee, this this is going to be a a big feather for for Mike Anderson in that program, trying to turn it completely around." And and they just they just fell short, went stone cold, where they couldn't get a bucket. Right,
1: right. Um, yeah, well, that's what happens, and you know, uh, but it was still, I mean, you know, and this is where the blue bloods tend to, uh, you know. They're, they're blue bloods for a reason, and that's because they tend to make the plays and or not make the mistakes, you know, in the final minute of these ultra-pressure-packed games to, uh, you know, to pull it out, and they just do it year in, year out uh, for the most part. And, uh, yeah, but it wasn't, ha- you know, in North Carolina, they did it again. So what were your other sort of, you know— Take-homes from the overall four days.
4: Yeah, John, I was a little surprised that there was uh, the blowouts with some of the uh, big teams getting together. You know, Michigan State, Kansas, right? And Miami was on the uh, wrong side of a uh, blowout. And, you know, I I didn't expect those to happen.
1: I agree. I agree. There was, uh, you know, not only uh, that's... That's the flip side of what I was saying at the beginning of this segment about, uh, you know, no low seed buzzer beaters to uh, pull off, you know, mega, a mega upset. But, yeah, there were some definite blowouts of games that, you know, you just didn't see coming, uh, you know, i.e. Michigan State. You know, I, I, given their pedigree, you look at them going up against Kansas and you just think, you know, Kansas is going to have their hands full. And Michigan State, you know, really what I'm saying is, you know, when a Michigan State wins a game like that, there's no surprise. That's for sure. No.
4: And then the other thing, John, was uh, some of the teams that were surprised, of course, Wisconsin. I mean, they just are tournament tough every year. And they they took out the number one seed, Villanova. So that was a shock.
1: Yeah, and the end of that game, that move by Nigel Hayes was – one of the best moves you could ever want to see down low i mean he just kind of dribbled in from the right side of the backboard and then he kind of did a half spin as if he was going to head into the key and instead he just you know he just spun right back around and then went up and under for you know pretty much an uncontested layup uh and, again, that that to me was just a, a move we're going to be seeing a lot of in the highlight films of future years. That was really special.
4: Yeah, and I don't think he came near as close to carrying the ball as some of the other people they showed who done it oh, in, I know. in memorable moments.
1: I know, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think there was a big walking call against, traveling call against Villanova late in that game, right? In the last minute?
4: Yeah, yeah. And uh, But I just like the way he, he did it with more, a little bit more finesse when, when Michael Jordan did it. I mean, it was like he carried the ball. He got away with it, away with the move, you know. But that he, he didn't. He made a nice, you know, quick uh, fake and then came back underneath and was beautiful.
1: Yeah, with well, mean, I mean, the beauty of it was was that it was like half a move as opposed to a full move. You know, it's right. full move, <laughs> right, right, yeah. You know, the half move surprised everybody. I think anybody <laughs> would have been anticipating the full spin to the center. Yeah, uh, into the middle of the key. And instead, uh, next thing you know, he just did a half spin. Next thing you know, he's laying it up and in from the other side, going up uh, up and under. But, uh, yeah, and it was interesting with Villanova. I mean, Josh Hart, great player, great pedigree, and a key part of last year's national championship. But, and I'm not disputing he should have his hands on the ball, but, you know, in that final minute or two, it just seemed like he was just plowing you know, into the middle of the, of the Wisconsin defense, you know, pretty much with every possession. And, you know, it, it's worked in the past. It didn't work on Saturday, I guess is the best way to say it.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I guess it might remind you, to, going back to football, like when I think when Tim Tebow lost to Ole Miss that time, they just think they were going to line up on fourth and short or third and short and just have him run to the middle line. And, and finally, Ole Miss stopped them, and that was a ball game.
1: Exactly. Exactly right. Um, yeah, AP. I was surprised. This is again down your neck of the woods. Uh, I couldn't believe that South Carolina, with their rich history in basketball, and I remember you'll remember them, and I do. Uh, I'm thinking back to the days of uh, John Roach and uh, Tom McMillan, who I actually saw play in my hometown in Pennsylvania. Right. He was a high school player from Long Island, and he was, like, literally the nation's number one recruit. And uh, Tom he, Riker, that they've Tom never Riker. been to us. What's that? Tom Riker. Tom Riker, yes. Tom yes. Riker, exactly. Sorry. I'm thinking of Tom McMillan, the famous player from Pennsylvania. Correct. He went to Maryland.
4: Correct, yes.
1: Yes. He's one of, one of the all-time high school legends. I think he was a Sports Illustrated cover boy in high school, if I remember
4: He sure was, and he he was actually, John, believe it or not, to interrupt you, I apologize, he was at the uh, hotel in Tampa, and I spoke to him uh, about two months ago. Oh, really? He he was there in Tampa for that championship for some reason. He was around, yeah.
1: Well, small world. Uh, What's important to note here is, again, an all-time Pennsylvania high school legend and United States basketball legend. Uh, Yes. he, He broke all of Will Chamberlain's high school scoring records in the state of Pennsylvania chamberlain of course played for overbrook high in philadelphia uh so you know again one of the all-time famous recruits ever and lefty dryzel landed him in maryland but thank you for the correction it's uh tom Riker was also if i remember correctly left-handed and tall 611 or so similar game so yeah that's why i got him mixed up but anyway can't believe it's South Carolina's first ever trip to the Sweet 16. That just stuns me.
4: John, I, I was listening on the radio uh, driving on Friday night when they were putting a whipping on, I guess was it Mar- was it Marquette, or I guess it was maybe. It was Marquette. And when they made that statement, I was astounded. I mean, because like you, I remember some of those teams with Johnny Roach. And I think I remember one year they were undefeated and then lost in the ACC tournament.
1: Correct. That's and, the I think that was that Roach and Roach team. Uh yeah.
4: yeah, yeah Riker, they were one of those teams. Another, Go ahead. No, no, I'm going to say they had Riker and another big fellow on the front line and I think uh but Bobby kremens was in that backcourt and yep. uh Frank McGuire was a coach of course and and uh, I just uh I, I was just flabbergasted when they made that statement and I was thinking, No, that can't be right.
1: Me too. That's exactly what I thought. I mean that team that we're talking about back in the 70s, they were beloved. I mean, you know, and that was a team that was going up against people like David Thompson and NC State. And, you know, the, that's when ACC basketball was just so awesome. But, yes, I remember, you know, that, and, again, that was the John Roach team and uh, Frank McGuire. I mean, they had it all. And they were just a team that, I mean, I was a kid. And I think every kid loved that team. You know, when you're like a teenager and you're into hoops, and that team was just again beloved by certainly young kids back in that era.
4: Oh yeah, he was a favorite. He was a New York City guard, and that was that underground railroad they had from New York yep. City to the Carolinas. Frank McGuire had established that at North Carolina, and then he brought it with him to South Carolina, and then of course Tom Riker was from that way and up in New York, yep. and and. uh Bobby Cremins and Kevin Joyce and
1: Kevin uh, Joyce there's Brian
4: Winters uh, he was from up that way I think and so it was just a one guard after another he brought down from New York City Jackie Galoon after that and yeah he just a series of guards came from New York City and that was Frank McGuire's, that was his uh his forte of getting a guard to come from New York City down to the Carolinas and and, right. and and then the '73 uh, era, John. I I didn't get a chance to check this out, but I think I guess Alex English might have been on that team. And I remember seeing Alex English play actually over in Providence at a tournament with Providence, Holy Cross, and Assumption. And and I saw Alex; he was so graceful and poetic out on the court, and I just a joy to watch him.
1: Yeah, and they showed him last night. Taking pictures with his iPhone right courtside at the at the end of the game, right? And uh, he looked great, by the way. And yeah, and and that's what you, I think. That's really what sticks with you about South Carolina was those guards, and they were sharp shooting guards. And again, oh my goodness, you know, fond memories from high school where you know you fall in love with those guys. I mean, we grew up with you know Pete Maravich, Calvin Murphy, and Rick Mount, and then uh, you know a few years later you have guys like Roach. Joyce and those kind of players, Brian Winters, that uh, kind of continued that sharpshooting tradition that nowadays is being carried on by Bronson Koenig for Wisconsin. His shooting display was remarkable on Saturday, as it always is.
4: Yeah, that Wisconsin, John, I mean, if I'm a coach in the tournament and I have him in my bracket, I'm not sleeping that well.
1: <laughs> right, no. I covered them as we close out this segment. I, a couple of years ago, they had the NCAA East Regional up here in Boston, as they are by the way next year. Uh, but you know, Wisconsin was one of the Final Four. They—I uh, was lucky. I had courtside seats covering the game, and uh, and they lost to Ohio State and Jared Sullinger, that crew. Um, but you know, they were great, and Bo Ryan went to a number of his press conferences, and uh, yeah. I said in the first segment, AP—they're the, la- the team nobody wants to see in the, in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> boy, they sure showed that again, didn't they?
4: Yeah, they sure did. And like I say, you wouldn't—you wouldn't be surprised, John, if they—if they made it to the final four.
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, pretty impressive, given you know the new coach succeeding Bo Ryan, as well as you know. Uh, Basically, a new team losing some of those great players that did get to the Final Four and were the team that beat undefeated Kentucky a couple of years back, right? Frank Kaminsky, oh. players like that. Yes, yes. So, all right, AP, uh, good segment. Still a lot more to get to, uh, but why don't we do so on the other side? Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we were talking in the previous segment about uh, South Carolina being in their first ever Sweet 16. Quite a shocker, given the rich history of South Carolina basketball. But what we didn't talk about, A.P., is the team they beat, Duke, Where I watched the entire uh, game and uh, Duke never got close. What can you say? I mean, South Carolina just had a stranglehold on that game throughout the second half. Pressure, pressure, foul shots. uh, And Duke just really couldn't do anything with them. Uh, You know, they made a valiant effort, as any Duke team would. But, you know, Duke losing is uh, probably bigger news than Duke winning, right?
4: Oh, absolutely, because, the uh, number one, all the executives in New York, they're, they're going to the pharmacy to get all the medication <laughs> to, to, to soothe all their pain from uh, all the Duke watchers and the people who do not like Duke uh, turning off the TV sets down the road. So, yeah, that's always very big news, and, of course, You know, Mike Krzyzewski great coach and fabulous program, so you'd like to see them get to the second weekend at least.
1: Well, exactly, and, you know, I'm standing here looking at my bracket, and, uh, you know, I, of course, have uh, Villanova playing Duke this coming week. (laughs) That ain't happening, but uh, something tells me I'm not alone, and, uh, you know... again, back to what I said earlier about, you know, just the brackets in general. I mean, the East bracket is, it literally disintegrated. The number one and two seeds are gone. Villanova and Duke. Num- Duke Villanova, of course, number one overall seed and defending national champion. But, you know, the, uh, back to the kind of, you know, no buzzer beaters, that type of thing. Uh, low seeds beating high seeds. Uh, you know, I had a good good Thursday and Friday. I, I, I had... uh you know, twenty six out of thirty two games, which is pretty good. Well, it's my it's my best ever. Period.
4: Yeah, I was gonna say, John, that's that's fabulous. I mean, you, you can go to the bar and that, you'd be in a corner by yourself, maybe, with that kind of results.
1: Exactly, exactly, and uh, yeah. So it was really fun. Again, by far, by far, my best ever. Um. So, yeah, it really, uh, really made it fun. But, really, but my point is over, Is generally that, you know, uh, the favorites, for the most part, won. Um, and, you know, a couple of leftover thoughts. I mean, I touched on some of this in the first segment. A shame, especially for people like you and I who are journalists, uh, given Northwestern's journalism program and so many Northwestern grads in the sports media. But heartbreaking for them to lose on that obvious violation, not being called, where the guy, you know, blocked the shot with his hand inside the rim. It's, you know, there's no dispute. The re, the, and they did come out and say they missed the call. Uh, but, you know, they were getting blown out for the most part by Gonzaga and drew within what would have been three, and then it all just fell apart on that call, and that was that.
4: Yeah, John, you know, I'm not one to file a federal complaint about officials, but some of these games, it just seems like they were missing calls and anticipating calls, and it just seems like there were quite a few errors that they're going to review these films, and they're going to say, gee, our, our officials were not at their best.
1: Well, exactly, AP, and, and my big thing, it's not the officials. I mean, I, I went back and watched it live because I DVR'd it, of course, like I do most every game, for exactly for this reason. In case there's that millisecond or moment in a game that I want to see, I can go back and do it. So it was never better than this play. My point is this. When the block was made with the guy's hand inside the rim, the announcers never even acknowledged it until after the fact. And Chris Collins, Doug Collins' son, the coach of Northwestern, went crazy and stormed the court. And that's the aftermath here, you know. He goes crazy. He gets a technical. So it was like a five-point swing. You know, there's a technical. Then there's, they get the ball. And it was literally like a five-point swing in what could have been a three-point game. And it just ended right then and there. Here's my point in all sports. There has to be just some kind of overarching rule that just says, you know, everything is reviewable or at least one thing is reviewable no matter what, period. There just has to, I just don't understand literally the term not reviewable. I don't. There has to be some, again, in my mind, overarching rule in every sport that allows for extenuating circumstances. The refs didn't see it live obviously but the announcers didn't see it live either you know it it was go ahead
4: no no john you're right that's that's kind of bizarre that the announcers they didn't take notice or somebody in the truck i mean they have so many people watching the game they would have been in their ear right away bring up this discussion here's the replay just jump all over this it's it's a point of contention for northwestern i mean it's a critical moment in the game and you need to discuss that Miss call
1: right and my point is this everybody found out I believe based on watching it live two or three times and listening to the one minute segment surrounding it the reason the way everybody found out about it or went back to it including I think the refs (laughs) were that you know Chris Collins went crazy and he was doing that thing with his hands saying indicating that the guy's hands were inside the hoop and that's what alerted everybody. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been found out later in replay, obviously, but, you know, nice. it, was, uh, it was not immediate. They certainly didn't say when it happened. Then Collins goes crazy on the sideline, and he went out on the court. So that's, again, an instant technical. That would have been interesting. If there was a way for them to review it, would they then, and then they recognize their mistake, would that then have, negated the technical which again on his part clear violation you you can't go out in the court black and white issue
4: yeah yeah john that's an interesting point what would you do because it's all uh bang bang boom uh you know decisions so how can you overturn those things right i mean that'd be that'd be something i uh it reminds me of a story with coach Bryant, and he went over this particular rule with an official before the game and What happened was they called a penalty once he ran that play. So he ran out onto the field and said, You know, so and so, uh, we had spoken about this before the game. Do you recall? And he goes, Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. It's my error. And he goes, But I have to charge you a 15 yard penalty because you came onto the field. (laughs) There you go. So, you know. (laughs) That's a true story. That's a true story.
1: I love it. Well, this is very, this is actually, could have been rather similar. Yes. you know, because again, uh, there was, that was a package deal. <laughs> you know, the miss call <laughs> yeah. and the technical yeah. go together. You right. Can't have one. Can't have one without the other. You know, what I mean, right. Uh, yeah. you know, it, it was just crazy. Yeah. And again, you know, Northwestern, so fun to watch. From Julia Louis Dreyfus to, uh, you know, whose son played on the team and got in at the end of the game. By the way, which is cool. Uh, to Um, you know, Doug Collins, you know, and all the ESPN and other outlets, journalists, uh, a lot of people are on the Northwestern bandwagon, including me. First ever trip to the NCAAs ever, which is as astounding, you know, as South Carolina getting into their first Sweet 16 ever. uh, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, everybody liked the Wildcats.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. John, when you're watching Northwestern, it's like watching Syracuse because there's so many members of the media from that school. And then, John, you know, in that South Carolina, I was just looking at a few things, but I think that's the first Sweet 16 since they started with the the 64-plus teams, that type of thing. In other words, uh, because normally they would lose in the first round. And they've only been in the tournament nine times, John, believe it or not.
1: Yeah, unless and let's not forget, you know. If I remember correctly, and you, you will if I don't, uh, for South Carolina, the teams we're talking about back in those, you know, 70s era, you know, just getting out of the ACC was a near impossibility. Oh. And in those days, if you didn't win the ACC championship, you, you were likely not going to the tournament. And that no, was that.
4: You, yeah, you might go to the NIT. You if you, you right. know, you might get the bid to the NIT. Normally they 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 did, they got the bid to the you know, they were they were in the tournament let's say four times in the 70s Down. This is it, four times and then one one time in the 80s, believe it or not, and twice in the 90s and just twice uh, after 2000. So that that's their record of getting into the NCAA tournament.
1: It's shocking. It truly is. Um but again, that, that's really, I, I can remember distinctly, and you talked about it earlier, you know, where those great teams going up against great teams from especially North Carolina uh, was, you know, they wouldn't even get out of the tournament. You know, they, they if you didn't win the ACC tournament, you very likely were not going to the NCAAs. It was a different animal back then than it is now, They're much smaller and that type of thing. So Yeah, and,
4: they were, and John, they were one of the few that, that that conference that had a tournament.
1: Correct, exactly. Yeah, that's the other thing.
4: It, yeah. Very good point. Process, John, was that we want to send our best team at that time to the tournament. So maybe if you had a player that was injured, you, you would lose in, in that ACC tournament. So you weren't available. But the, the theory was we want our best representative at that moment to to go forward into the NCAA tournament
1: right exactly Uh, well AP um, good segment Uh, certainly a lot to talk about with the NCAA tournament especially the opening round with so many teams Uh, but why don't we take our break now our final break and we'll get to some more things on the other side
2: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about
0: our shows and network on
2: our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america
0: sports and medicine go hand in hand You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice of America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert. A.P. Studem of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, of course, the NCAA Sweet 16 with great matchups on Thursday and Friday, which will lead to uh, great weekend games, no doubt. Uh, The heavyweights are still uh, participating for the most part, Uh, so it'll be fun, as last weekend was. And A.P., speaking of this past weekend and the past four days, uh, what other thoughts do you have on the NCAA?
4: Well, John, just one team in particular I lo- was looking at was Xavier. And they came into the tournament, I think, 13 losses matched up against Maryland. Eight, uh, you know, a good team from the Big Ten. It's hard, it's, it's hard to think of Maryland in the Big Ten. You know, you think right, but, uh, you know, Maryland, good right. basketball program, good team, and they beat them. And next thing you know, they're facing Florida State with a pretty hot team, right? Yes. And, they, and they've put a whipping on them by 25, and they're in the Sweet 16 playing Arizona. I mean, they're exactly. playing with, you know, house money now at Arizona, and they got some pressure on them as a the number two seed. and They play out there in San Jose, but, um, you know, Xavier, they just, you know, they've, they've built a program there through the years. It's, it's yes. terrific. I mean, they yeah. compete with everybody, and they're winning, you know, multiple games in the tournament.
1: Exactly. I'm glad you brought them up. Uh, I think they are they in the Big East. It's tough to keep track nowadays. I think they oh, are. Oh,
4: yeah. I think they are too, John. I think so. I yeah, think with Butler. I'm pretty okay. sure they are. Um, and, he, and, and you know, then you got Butler in there, right?
1: Oh yeah, and I commented on them in the first segment. You know, with Brad Stevens up here coaching the Celtics. Uh, you know, it's great to see Butler back in the Sweet Sixteen without him. So that the program is still doing well, and uh, and yeah, it's just uh, it's great. But you know, Xavier—they're like Wisconsin. They're not, they're not a team. They're a quality program, quality team every year, and they're a team you really don't want to see in the tournament. Uh, they, they 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 usually play well, and they either win as they're doing this year, or they give you know some good teams all they can handle.
4: Yeah, John. When you watch a team like Butler and Xavier, they just seem to play fearless. Correct, exactly. I mean, some of these teams from the bigger conferences and the big name coaches—they—they, they, it's like, they're sometimes they play with a little bit of fear. You know, they're afraid of making some mistakes, but. These other teams, they just go full throttle. They're going to the basket. They're challenging everybody. They're contesting every shot. They're hustling on every rebound, every loose ball. They run fast breaks. I mean, they push the tempo. Uh, I mean, they're playing to win, like, like they're out in the street, uh, you know, where, where if they lose, they're going to sit forever.
1: Well, that's a very good description, AP, and it just comes from a winning pedigree. I mean, I'll throw in another team that I'm sure you'll agree is along those lines uh Rhode Island you know, just a they're a team that's a just a simply a a winning program, and you know they won their first game and looked really good yesterday, and certainly their game was winnable as well uh to say the least uh you know against oregon um so but you know yeah and i and I think we all love those schools, smaller schools with winning programs that, you know, that show up at tournament time. It's just that simple. They show up. They are not going, you know, they're not going down easily. You're in, you're out.
4: Oh, oh yeah. And then another team you look at, John, uh, two teams out of the Big Ten, that Purdue, he does a really yep. nice job with his program, uh, Matt Painter, and Michigan seems to be touched this year, don't they, John?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely in the wake that's how I led the show you know, in the wake of the uh you know in the wake of the plane crash, uh skidding whatever you want to call it, a scary incident by any stretch of the imagination they uh you know uh, they just look magical. I mean, they're on a mission. It's like you know they they underwent that traumatic experience. And have come out the other side. They went through the Big Ten to win the championship, playing in practice jerseys, no less, because their uniforms didn't get to the site from the from the plane crash. And right. uh, and now they're just uh, they're just on a roll.
4: Yeah, it seems like that. It's a life changing, invigorating experience when you you know death is upon you, and you, you reexamine things and you and you look at life a little bit differently, and uh, you're more excited to be. In the moment,
1: right? It's all perspective, and after suffering through something like that, uh, you know, they feel no pressure in a basketball game. That's for darn sure.
4: No, no. But John, when you have watched many of these games over the weekend, do you feel there's someone who's has a real strong case to win this tournament? I mean, because when I watch these teams I, from one game to another, I'm not sure who's going to win.
1: You know that's a great question. I, I, we touched on Wisconsin I, again. You, you know, you never know how they're going to, uh, again, go to the next level when you beat the number one overall seed. A team I'm really liking is a team I used to cover back in the day, and I they were really impressive on Saturday, which is of course West Virginia. You know, they've got Bob, Bob Huggins as their coach. They've been hanging around. Good program. If anything, they've under they've underachieved in the tournament in recent years, and boy, based on what they did to Notre Dame on Saturday, which was basically coast to coast victory, um, I'd be careful about them. Again, they're a team that you know has been uh, you know they've been around on the on the edges for a number of years, and and uh, so yeah, they look pretty dangerous to me. They really do, and I think them against Gonzaga. This Thursday night could be one of the best games of the of the entire tournament, actually.
4: Yeah, they have that pressured defense, and they they've, they guard you coming out of the locker room, right, in warm-ups. So exactly. you know, defensively, they're pretty tough, and uh, they could have some offense going, which they did against Notre Dame. And uh, that's in the the San Jose region. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if Jerry West is up there, but he you know was with the Golden State program, so. He'll, I'm sure he'll
1: be there. Oh, no doubt about it. Yes, with the Mountaineers. Uh, yeah, they're just... Uh, it's always great to see them do well. And, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting game. I think everybody's curious about Gonzaga for obvious reasons. Uh, and, you know, they're just great every year. And, uh, so, yeah, I, I just think it's really going to be... Uh, a fascinating game i truly do and just to close as we get down here uh, in the last couple of minutes of the show um arizona i mean they're a team with a legitimate chance to uh you know play in the final four at home uh that would be fascinating By you know, sense of you. yeah, you know great coach there uh to say the least and uh and he was at Providence. Arizona, of course, played in Providence and got beat last year at the opening round of the NCAA. So, yeah, I think they're a team to watch, you know, uh, to say the least, a big-time program, that's for sure.
4: John, how about that blue blood bracket in Memphis? Yes, exactly. Uh, I don't know if I've seen that before. Kentucky, UCLA, North Carolina, all with blue colors, and then you have Butler in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh you can call Butler a blue blood of sorts uh given, right, right, yeah. given what they've done, and yeah. you know none of us will ever forget the gordon Hayward shot it, it would have been uh the greatest shot ever, even if chris Jen- even with chris Jenkins' shot as good as that was that wouldn't have been nothing would have ever beaten the Gordon Hayward shot from midcourt to beat Duke in his backyard of Indianapolis that would have been the all timer
4: oh my goodness uh, yeah they nobody can duplicate that. And and John, that first game, Kentucky UCLA, that's a rematch. I think UCLA went to Lexington and beat beat Kentucky this year.
1: Exactly. Yes. No. It's a, that's a great game. That's true. Uh, that's you know, uh, obviously two heavyweights of all time. And uh, yeah, well, we're all going to get a look at Lonzo Ball. This could be his moment, right? He is quite the he and his father, are quite the topic, and his brothers, obviously. So that'll be fun.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think that's the game of all all the uh, <clears throat> uh, Sweet 16 games. That's the game I really want to watch, Kentucky-UCLA. Oh, absolutely.
1: No doubt about it. Way P, thanks as always for your input and perspective. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a great four days coming up here, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So look forward to talking to you again about this. It's going to be, as always, fabulous, but thanks again for joining us.
4: My pleasure, John.
1: And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel, and we'll talk sports again next week.